0: Hello and welcome to Diversity Podcast, talking about diversity and inclusion in financial services. In each episode, we seek to shine a light on successful progress, call out areas requiring further focus and offer practical ideas to help drive change. Today, we're talking about diversity and inclusion in the world of investments, and I'm delighted to be joined by two guests, one from a leading private equity firm, the other a co-founder of a venture capital industry diversity programme. Our first guest is Tanuja Randhuri from Apex Partners. Tanuja comes from a diverse world, having started her career in the city, moved into the world of telecoms with tenures at Colt and BT. She then explored and examined the power and engineering industry at Schneider Electric and recently has been lured back to the world of finance, specifically private equity. Last year, Tanuja was named one of the FT's female top champions for business and is one of the joint founders of Power Women Network. Tanuja, welcome. We're delighted you can join us today. Our second guest is Travis Win Stanley. Travis comes from the world of gaming where he is the Games Investment Director at Kuju Entertainment. He was named one of the UK's Power 100 entrepreneurs by Smith and Williamson, and also developer named in one of the 30 under 30 ones to watch. Travis is the co-founder of Diversity VC, an initiative all about promoting greater diversity and inclusion in the world of venture capital. Travis, Welcome. At the top of every show, we invite each guest to take a minute to introduce themselves and talk about key initiatives they're working on, before then opening up our discussion. So Tanuja, let's start with
1: you. Well, the reason I was delighted to join you, actually, and why I'm super passionate about this topic of diversity in general is I've been through many uh, change and transformation programs during my career in all the industries I've served. And I think at the heart of the success factor has always been the team and the quality of the leadership. Um, So if I think about diversity, I think about it really in that context. Um, And maybe to use one of Einstein's quotes, which I love, which is insanity is just doing the same thing over and over again, expecting the same results. Well, to be honest, I think it frames diversity's discussion really well, because if all you've got to do is you've got to create diversity of thought in a company in order to drive results. And if if you've only got people who are wired exactly the same way, working on exactly the same problems and and coming up with exactly the same solutions they've always had, you're not going to be able to turn around on the company. So that is what drives me, uh, which is business performance at the end of the day. And I think diversity enables that. I've just joined Apex uh, Partners on the operations side, actually. And my role is really to enable uh, APACs to hire and retain and drive performance with the human capital agenda. So I'm actually going to be leading on that. The other thing I have to mention, because you know, you know this super well, is I founded a, a, a women's network called Power Women, uh, which uh, which has grown really across sectors now. It started in the world of power and it's now cross sector. And it's all about enabling uh, uh, women, senior women executives onto exec committees and, and onto boards. So okay. delighted to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Travis, over to you. What are you particularly
0: focused on?
2: Great. So you're, you're quite right. By day, I invest in video games. And by night, uh, I am co-founder of an organisation called Diversity VC, Diversity VC is actually sort of founded by a number of investors across the industry. There's five co-founding members as well as a sort of a wider team of individuals who all share the same view that um, there's quite a homogenous ecosystem of employees which needs to change. It doesn't take much to look around a room at a conference and notice actually it's often a lot of white gentlemen, myself included. We want to... try and promote diversity and inclusion um, in the ecosystem because we have a responsibility for making the very best investments and ultimately fostering sort of an inclusive workspace. Um, So Diversity VC is trying to bring this agenda um, up the priority list for venture capitalists, but also ultimately make change, practical change within the industry in which we invest.
0: So... As I understand it, you launched last year, is is that correct?
2: That's quite right. So in February 2017, we launched on International Women's Day um, with an agenda to predominantly tackle gender um, and the inequality of gender in venture capital within the UK. Um, But with a wider initiative as well to tackle diversity in its widest forms. Um, So in May 2017, we launched our first piece of research, which is the very first piece of research of its type, where we worked out the human capital um, in the UK venture capital industry. And so for the very first time, we were able to show that um, there are only 27% of that industry were female.
0: If there's anything I've learned from interviewing many experts on these shows and from talking to many diversity and inclusion specialists in the industry, is that ultimately business performance will drive change. But this is, the word of investment is is very precise in that it's about return on investment. It's about business ambitions. And it's about, um, you know, that there's, you could, one could argue that diversity inclusion is a nice to have but every day, investment professionals wake up going, where are the deals? Where's the opportunity? And Saluja, I mean, your, your job in, in kind of focus on human capital, just to pick up on what Travis was saying. I mean, what, what do, how do you frame that? How do you scope that?
1: Yeah, no, it's, And I do, I, I will start with, it's, it's really important for us to look for the nuggets out there. Um, you know, it's about good companies that we can find, which have, you know, strong market, uh, obviously, relevance. And then, of course, looking very specifically at the organization as well, Um, So it's all of those factors that come into play. And and actually, if I think about the human capital agenda, the reason it's such a strong agenda, and by the way, it's not just APACs. I think there are a number of private equity firms that are focusing on this, and there are uh, a number of them, and I have peers uh, in the industry doing the same role as I am doing, which is setting up and framing this human capital piece. What is the reason for that? The real framing of the human capital agenda is to ensure that all of our portfolio companies at the end of the day, and these are companies that we invest in, are actually, staffed with absolutely the right talent for the roles that they need to perform, especially the most critical value-creating roles. So this is not about hierarchy. And as we look within those roles, and whether that's the top team Or it's the middle management team, it's important that we have a balance in that team of skills, experience, uh, track record, um, and actually diversity of thought, which is is for me, I think, probably the most important thing. Because what we found, and research shows this, is that when you've got a group of people and you bring in outsiders – who may not necessarily be from the same industry, for example, or the same background, for example, they tend to be more creative. They tend to produce more innovative results. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you put people of the same kind together, they're less likely to question. And, of course, for us in our timeframes that we're investing in, it's really important that as we invest, we hit the ground running with the right team. So I think that's the framing of the issue, is how do you have a team of people that bring the skills, the experience, the track record, the, the the different way of thinking, and in that context, very important that we look at aged, uh, you know, ethnicity, uh, female, um, yeah. as well as just different industries as yes. well.
0: Well, and, and and that was interesting because actually at the end of last year, I, I was at one of the you know, huge financial institutions uh, events talking about uh, actually the value of recruiting outside the sector. So if you think in the world, you know, of, say, cyber security, and I'm very interested in Travis, obviously, for, for your world in gaming, where, where you can see very natural overlap in terms of speed of processing, speed of performance, um, and and uh, oh, about the user experience, actually, of that. And, and to your point, Nidra, about where you look elsewhere, and clearly your career has brought that out from having come from financial services, then telecoms, then energy, and then in,
1: in, into uh, in the world of investment. And Julie, if I could just say on that, because I, I, I think the point about recruiting from outside is really, really important. And this is where I think exec search firms in particular have a big role to play, right. as well as in boards, you know, because I think what they will tend to do is take a frame from the client and go out into the industry to find the person that looks like everyone else. Mm-hmm. And there are a few firms that will actually, you know, buck that trend and go outside and bring someone in that's different. Um, so Schneider Electric is a global energy management firm. And I came in, as you know, from the telecom sector. I I was uh, recently at BT and then with Colt. And Schneider brought me in to head up the UK and Ireland business. So I think the CEO was wanting to bring in people that were not from the sector, but could help them transform towards behaving more like an agile uh, company that was growing in the services arena and the software arena. And I think it's trying to bring those sorts of skills together. Um, so when you look for the DNA of the person you're hiring, you're not just staring in the mirror, you're actually looking at someone that brings the components of what you need. Um and that's that's where one of the things we're gonna be investing in as well is spending some time on structured assessment of teams. Because mm-hmm. I think, let's be honest, I don't know if you've read this book, Thinking Fast and Slow, by Daniel yes. Kahneman. Yes, I have, yeah. It's a great, great right? It's a great book. It's pretty heavy reading, that's for sure. But what it does say to you is your hit rate at best in hiring is maybe fifty percent, right? And it's basically random odds. And, you know, we all know this from the city as well, right? Um, But if you do structured assessment and interviewing and referencing, you are likely to increase the odds of that because you're not just looking at the resume. You're actually looking at traits, motivations, drivers. And that's what diversity should be about, actually.
0: And is that your experience in the world of VC as well? Is, is that the, that what you're looking at as well? Or do you see some particular sort of anomal- anomalies for the VC world?
2: Well, the VC world is, is interesting on a number of different counts. One, it's a relatively young industry um, that we've born out of financial services and the legacy that was, um, but really has only been a sort of an industry in its own right for probably about sort of 30, 40 years. So it's relatively young. And the second piece is actually we're relatively small. Um, we did some analysis on the average size of the average VC firm and um, they only have nine members in their teams um, which typically comprises six investment professionals and three support staff mm-hmm. so actually when it comes to, to the businesses they're very very small and to have formal HR policies and recruitment processes is actually very difficult for a team of that size um, so that's partly why we pulled together diversity VC was to try and pull that collective intelligence from a number of different firms across the industry so that we can sort of provide best practice as a central resource. And for I wanted all. to ask
0: you about that sort of whether best practice uh, encouragement is, is part of your remit uh, with Diversity VC. And, and can you give some examples of where you are where showing best practice so that those small firms can, can adopt it? Gotcha. Uh, so I think the, the
2: first piece is just raising it up the agenda, making it a discussion point. Rightly or wrongly, it all too often has been marginalised as a discussion because you are focusing on deals and getting the next sort of opportunity across the line. But there's some brilliant research by McKinsey, which shows that actually decision making in diverse teams is better than homogenous teams. And just to put a sort of bit more context on it, um, they did some research into gender um, sort of diverse teams and showed that they outperform homogenous teams by 15%. If you throw um, ethnic minorities into the mix as well, um, then actually sort of Ethnically diverse uh, teams outperform their homogenous rivals by thirty-five percent. So there's a very strong business case. Oh,
0: reliable truth right there.
2: Yeah. Absolutely, and that was a McKinsey "Why Diversity Matters" report. So it's a really credible research that had been done on sort of top sort of American businesses, and we're able to categorically show that actually, if you promote diversity within the workplace, actually you're making better decisions. And so if you can bring that into the investment um, sort of arena, then yes, you can absolutely sort of try and drive better returns. We're an early stage at this moment. We need to do more research and that's part of what we're trying to do is bring it up the agenda but then provide ac- practical actions for firms to deal with.
1: Fantastic. And, and so, Tanija, please. Sorry, I was just going to say just building on the point around uh, around the data, around it's, it's absolutely clear business performance is better. We are finding um, uh, that actually we do get asked about uh, how things are going in terms of, you know, sustainability, diversity. I mean, you know, investment... Uh, investment professionals, limited partners are asking us these questions, right? So it is getting raised in terms of the agenda. And I actually think we are doing better. Um, So I know the, the percentages are small, both in the PE industry as well as in the VC industry. And actually, in the PE industry, I think it's not even quite as good as what you were saying. I think on the investment side, it might be as low as 4% uh um and, and actually overall is that, is that gender a, a, um on the percent? Gen- so 4% of the investment professionals will tend to be women mm-hmm. uh but actually 19% overall if you take into account all the back office operations but the good news is between last year uh actually between 2 years ago and the previous year um we actually found that more women partners were being hired in the PE industry than men mm-hmm. so now Again, you're starting off a tiny base, and this is going to take some time, but I do think it is starting to be something that is being tracked. And as soon as you start to measure something, I think you do start to see results. I mean, I often say that having a target's not a bad thing because if you have a target, you actually start to see the returns. Um, and maybe just one other point. We talk about hiring, um, and talent acquisition. But I think the biggest issue in our industry, in finance, consulting, uh, uh, VC, if I could say that, or any alternative industry, uh, investment uh, area, is the pipeline, the leaky pipeline. And what you actually find is the odds of a woman actually hitting the top is much lower than that of a man making it to the top. You know? And I think that's what we've so got to So perhaps we
0: can break that down a little bit because part of it is, is the ascension if you like, to senior management positions. And part of it's also about making sure that we've got the pipeline. And and it's not just gender, it's right the way across the diversity and inclusion spectrum, and making sure that that actually that pipeline is being fed. Could you shed some light on sort of where you see progress being made? Is that internal policies? Is that, you know, going back into schools or going further down the the chain, if you like, uh, and, and, Putting the career opportunities on the table. We're really interested in just seeing kind of how you're how you're addressing that. Because otherwise we just continue to make incremental change. And I'm interested to see where we might find the leaps. Travis.
2: It is a, a very deep and complex problem and goes right to the root of society. And I think it does go back to sort of STEM in schools and, and so on. So it's we can't do it. In the VC industry on our own, there does need to be government initiatives, but we are trying to move the the dial forwards. I think um, there are some systemic issues. We are actively going out to schools at the moment with Diversity VC and and universities to say, look, venture capital is an industry. It is relatively small. It is relatively unknown to the world at large. Um, So just creating awareness of the opportunities there and making sure that um, potential job applicants are aware of the opportunities um, just to to foster their excitement to come into the industry.
0: and just picking up on that, are, are you engaged with government policy? Are you is that something you're thinking about? Is that something you're looking at?
2: We would love to be involved with the government <laughs> if they're listening. Do send them our way.
0: Right. Okay. Well we'll, well, we'll be mindful of that, and if anybody from government's listening, call Travis straight away to do. I mean, from the from the from the bigger sort of PE firm perspective, I mean policies with internally, and and again, this whole thing about feeding the pipeline
1: couple of things I would say, and some of it is PE and some is just my broader, you know, experience. I would think that um, aggressive um, talent monitoring and development is really, really important. So once you brought him in, going out to universities, and I actually think one of the things that PE firms do very well is we've got a very long range on talent, so because at some point you may require a board member, you may require a senior executive, and when you actually buy a company, they're not likely just to be waiting around for you. You've got to constantly be monitoring the talent pipeline outside. And I and I will say that I find everyone, everyone in the company is actively spending time having informal discussions with people. So in that context, it's easier to actually bring in a more diverse pool because you're not – you know, you're not racing to 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 hire someone from a very limited set of things. The other thing I would say is that in terms of flexibility and policy around, you know, and let me let me talk about females in particular. You know, it's clear that you know we have to worry about the family work life balance issue, uh, children, and actually more increasingly, uh, to be honest, uh, we've got parents who are getting older. And we need, need to look after them. So we've introduced, um, uh, certainly at Apex we've introduced a six-month maternity pay, uh, paid leave, which I think is actually uh, uh, extraordinarily uh, uh, groundbreaking, if I could use that word. Um, the other thing we do is we know that when you're in the middle of deals, uh, you know, look, it can be extraordinarily 24-7 many times for many weeks. Um, so we ensure that actually uh, the women on our team are, are appropriately looked after in terms of support that can go along with them, especially if there's travel involved. Um, and then, of course, there's also the, ma- the men's side. You know, It's really important that we have uh, men being able to take paternity leave as well. Um, so we've also introduced a four-week paternity uh, leave. So, so there's lots of little things you can do. Uh, but I think the biggest thing that I would say is It's the sponsorship within the organization and senior uh, individuals actually keeping an eye on the women talent. And I would say aggressively promoting uh, from within, because, you know, if we don't it's heavy, it's really heavy lifting. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember when I was at Schneider, we'd twice a year go through the list of women. And we'd sit in a room and we'd actually talk about which role they were going to take. And then we were going to have to sponsor them into the role because it just wasn't going to happen overnight.
0: Right. And I I think one of the things that that you you make a very good point about, you know, the world of investment, whether it's VC or or private equity, uh, has, has attributes of its own. And as you say, it's not a nine to five job. It is a all encompassing, out to do the deal, uh, you know, kind of life absorbing um career to have. And so actually the appetite for change is great on paper, but actually the practicalities really matter and, and the, the sponsorship of really looking where the talent's gonna come from tomorrow, both internally and externally. And but what also the other thing you were saying about how, you know, when you're putting somebody into a board of a company you're investing in is you know, making sure how do you get the right person at the right time at the right price, which is which is a challenge in and of itself. So so I think it's, it's one of the things we're trying to do on the podcast series is, is not make sweeping judgments because the, the the peculiarities of the industry is very, very precise.
1: And, and let's not forget, you know, we've got a portfolio. Uh, we've got portfolios that are actually not PE, right? So the PE side is simply the investment side. But actually, if you look at our portfolio, it goes across tech, telecom, services, industrial, health and retail and then if you dive in there, you know, we do have, you know, a range of, uh, of diversity situations, right? So our, our retail businesses tend to be, you know, more diverse, of course, than our tech businesses. But so if you look at a PE firm, I think you've got to look at the portfolio of the PE firm and not just the PE firm itself.
2: But I, I do think that the investors do set the tone for some of the businesses they're investing in. And it's important if, so that we're going to hold our businesses to account, that we hold ourselves to the same account.
0: Let's take a pause there and turn to Cynthia Akinsanya and Robert Pinto Fernandez who have been scouring the industry for supporting research.
3: The Harvard Business Review article titled Why Diverse Teams Are Smarter takes a closer inspection of the McKinsey report, looking at racial and gender diversity across 366 top public companies. Those in the top quartile for ethnic and racial diversity in management were 35% more likely to have financial returns above their industry mean. And those in the top quartile for gender diversity were 15% more likely to have returns above the industry mean. In a similar study published by Economic Geography, the authors concluded that increased cultural diversity is a boon to innovativeness – A study of over 7,000 firms that participated in the London Annual Business Survey revealed that businesses run by culturally diverse leadership teams were more likely to develop new innovations than those with homogenous leadership. In the 2017 Diversity VC report, Women in UK Venture Capital, women represent just 13% of decision makers in UK Venture Capital. Their goal is to see women holding at least 20% of senior decision-making positions by 2020.
0: Thank you, Cynthia and Robert. And links to the references and research can be found on our website, diversitypodcast.com. Remember, that's diversity with a C, not an S. You can also sign up for early notifications of future episodes. And please do follow us on Twitter at DiversityPod. And you can find us on all good podcast channels. If you've enjoyed the show, we'd really appreciate a rating. It all helps promote the episodes. Very interesting what Tanuja was saying about various policies. And and as you were saying, VC is a relatively young industry. Is there anything you look at there in the world of PE and think that's something we should be bringing into VC uh, as as we try and meet this challenge? Uh, Absolutely. So yes, the private
2: equity space is is very influential to us. We do have partners with uh, Level 20, which is a sort of a a, uh, um, a group promoting gender diversity within private equity firms itself. And yes, there are some great best practice studies, which have been led by private equity space, such as Apex's six-month maternity leave, which I think is great, um, which serve as great inspiration for us. But then likewise from other industries, from accountancy, from law, um, we can draw on all of that expertise and bring it to the VC industry.
0: And Tanuja, I was very into in what you were saying about, uh, obviously, the role of women, and you were talking about power women. Talk to us a bit more about some of your initiatives around women in investment and industry as a whole.
1: No, thanks, Julia. I mean, I, I actually do believe that companies can do a lot. Uh, and, and they can do more, right? So I think, I think we haven't stopped in terms of what we can do. Uh, one of the initiatives that I'm very fond of that Schneider introduced, uh, well, not introduced, which was part of, was the he for she campaign, mm-hmm. which was basically men's, men sponsoring women. Because at the end of the day, we don't have enough hiring managers that are women, right, or role models yet. So that whole he for she was one of those things that companies do. But being a woman, I'm extremely passionate about what women can do. Um, and the idea of Power Women was really born from the fact that could we get a small, intimate group? I mean, we've been to many networks, right, Julia, you and I. Yes, and the problem is a lot of these networks are huge, and you're just going kind to of get lost in that network. So the idea of Power Women is to create a small, intimate group of very senior executives who can actually be coaches to each other. So it's all about peer-to-peer coaching and being able to pick up the phone and call someone if you're in the middle of a restructuring, for example. So there's not just about talking about women and what women should do, but It's also about business ideas that women can foster with other women. So that's that's really the purpose of Power Women. We're going to start small with only fifty members and then hopefully grow. We're also members of Level Twenty, which I think is a great initiative, and I think we could do more there. But from a woman's perspective, I would say there's two things or three things that I've often lived by. One is it's really really important to manage your life. Right. Mm -hmm. The fact is, you want to have kids. That's wonderful. You don't want to have kids. That's fine. It's up to you. But whatever you do, you've You've got to outsource and make sure that you've actually created the time for both work as well as home. So it's not someone else's problem to manage that. And then I think the second thing that women don't do is prioritize massively, You know, at the end of the day, all of us should be creating clear priorities. And if you want to get to the top of an organization, it is not a part-time job. So you've got to just realize that you've got to figure out your life, prioritize like mad, make time for yourself, and ensure that you're actually making time for work and home. And then the third thing I would say is don't stay under the radar. So you know, I just think we are too often staying under the radar, not willing to speak up when actually we have so much to offer. Mm-hmm. So I think a woman can play a very big role in their own development and making sure that they're actually asking for help uh, when they need it.
2: And I, I think on that point, actually, I think that's those really helpful advice for me as as kind of an aspiring kind of investment entrepreneur, but also to to anyone within the industry. That's, that's not just relevant to, to women, but also to anyone from any under up, underrepresented group.
0: And, and I think that's really important. So when we think about you know, the ethnic mix and we think about you know the ethnic diversity, but also around age and very many many other LGBT and other aspects of diversity and inclusion, is is are you, are you thinking about Travis? Are you thinking about um, how do you sort of apply some principles to finding more ethnic talent and and what should young um, BAME executives be thinking about as they're trying to climb the career ladder. I
2: think it's exactly those points that Tanuja just mentioned, that it is possible you need to prioritise, you need to make sure that you have your own sort of personal drive to make sure you get it and make sure if you are coming up against internal blockers that you um, sort of find a way around them or find someone to help you pass them.
0: Well, I think that's a perfect place to leave our discussion. I could talk to both of you for a very long time. You're both exceptionally busy. I'm very grateful. Tanuja, Travis, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank
1: you, Julia.
2: This episode of Diversity Podcast was produced by me, Kieran Yates, on behalf of Julia Streets Productions. Thanks to Cynthia Akinsanya and Robert Pinto Fernandez for their insights. You can find out more about the guests on this week's show on our website, DiversityPodcast.com, and that's diversity with a C, not an S. Whilst you're there, you can also sign up to our newsletter for all our latest updates. To be sure of catching all our future podcasts, subscribe to our feed in iTunes or your favourite podcast app. And if you've enjoyed this episode of Diversity, remember to give us a rating or review in iTunes. It all helps promote the show to a wider audience. Finally, our Twitter handle is at DiversityPod.
0: Thanks for listening.